0: Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Venture Podcast. I am your host, Dan Wills. I am the lead pastor at Chandler Church in Bellevue, Nebraska. And my hope is that you are having a, a great day today. I really am. I hope the weather's great where you're at. And even if it's not, uh, you know, it's always God's plan. And so uh, just enjoy the day. Uh, I want to say that I am glad that you are listening uh, to this podcast today. i um, I want to know, just kind of a question to get your mindset. Uh, are you ready to hear from God's Word today? I hope so. I really do. Because uh, we're going to have a good day. I really believe that. Um, we are in a, uh, th- a four-part series. Uh, we're in part three today. Uh, the series is called The Good Work. And today, my hope is, uh, and I pray that this message would be encouraging to you. Uh, but we're actually going to start off with some things that could be a little bit difficult okay the title of today's message is standing strong in the face of opposition and here's what i hope that you'll understand anytime that god leads you or prompts you to do something meaningful to make a difference something that's generous something that benefits someone else something that is lasting unfortunately you could expect opposition You can count on obstacles, okay? You can expect spiritual resistance to come and try to slow your work. If you look at the stories uh, or several stories in the Bible, you have Adam and Eve who are serving God, and the evil serpent serpent, uh, comes to resist them and and distract them from God's will. And then you have uh, Moses who had Pharaoh, who was an enemy. Uh, David had Goliath, right? You go to the New Testament, Jesus had Herod, uh, the Pharisees, Jewish leaders, Judas, the devil, the demons, all the haters, and on and on. Uh, Batman had Joker. I just had to throw that in there. Batman's not in the Bible. Um, This weekend was uh, Batman Day, I believe, and so I just thought I'd throw that in there. Anyway, Nehemiah, the person that we're looking at, um, he had Sanballat and, and Tobiah and others who opposed his work. So uh, perhaps this is your first week joining us for Venture Podcast and uh, joining this series, and and you don't know the backstory. So maybe you missed the previous two weeks. So let me kind of give you the short story, okay? Nehemiah was an ordinary guy who was a cupbearer or a servant to the king of Persia. He heard about the plight of his people uh, a thousand miles away or so who were in a horrible situation because they had their city destroyed by the Babylonians. So his heart was breaking for his people. And he realized somebody has got to do something about this. He says, it might as well be me. And so he seeks God. He asks a uh, favor from God. He approaches the king. He asks the king to go back and rebuild the city. It's really a fascinating, a personal story of a, of a spiritual journey and a heart for a leadership of an ordinary guy who believed that God could use him to do something that hadn't been done before. And you can read the details in the book of Nehemiah. And I wish we had time to go over them. But when he went back, he, he started rebuilding the gates before rebuilding the walls. And you can read about this. He was leading a group of people to rebuild the sheep gate, the fish gate, the valley gate, the horse gate, the water gate, the dung gate. And I'm not making these up, folks. Okay, These are in your Bible. You should read them. You know, you had the water gate and the dung gate. And I, I would want to live by the fish gate. I definitely would not want to live by that, that dung gate or anything, right? But that's just me. I'm just saying. What's crazy is he was inspiring these ordinary, these other ordinary people to come along and do this work, you know. In other words, you know, I'm a pastor. Building a gate is not my forte, okay? And this is kind of the type of people that he's working with. They were not masonaries. They were not carpenters. He was working with goldsmiths, merchants, perfume makers. You know, how do you get perfume makers to build a gate is beyond me. What was interesting is they started making some progress. And for the first time, the gates were going up and there was progress on the walls and the people started to think, you know, maybe, just maybe, we can do this. In other words, this thing, this this building thing is going down. It's happening. Okay. So what do we know? that whenever the work goes down, opposition shows up. The moment you tend to start doing something that glorifies God, you can set your calendar to know that spiritual opposition is going to show up. And we see this in chapter 4 of Nehemiah. Okay, So watch and listen as we all have this opposition. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 1, here's what it says. When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews, and in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Now, let's pause there for a second. What you need to understand, or what you may not understand, is that the word feeble, from the Hebrew text, it actually means like a flower that was chopped off. That's what it means. It means a flower that is now dead. So when he is saying feeble, he's saying that they're hopeless, they're lifeless. They have no chance of rebuilding these walls. So what are these feeble Jews doing? Then he goes on to say, listen, will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? And then Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, what they are building, even a fox climbing on it would break their walls of stone. So what do we see? We, when the work starts to go down, right, the opposition shows up. And then, and unfortunately, this is true for some of you. Perhaps in the last few weeks, you were moved in a direction of doing something to make a difference. And, and all of a sudden, you had opposition. It could be as simple as, you know what? You decided to come back to church for the first time in a long time, and so on the way there, you you got in the worst fight ever, and you cussed all the way to go and worship God in the house of God, right? It could be that you're trying to get out of debt and you've said we're a, we're going to pay off all these bills. And the moment you declare it, your car breaks down, okay? And suddenly you have a a $700 repair. Uh, that unfortunately just happened to me, you know? I just had a car break down, um, it's in the shop and it cost me $900. Okay. It could be that you start serving in, in, you know, maybe like children's church or something for the first time. And you're saying, you know what, we're finally going to be honoring God. And, and it happens to be the, the day where the there's, there's a three-year-old who is sick and throws, fr- throws up Froot Loops all over your lap. And it's just disgusting, right? It could be that you want to do something. And so you tell somebody close to you, this is what I believe that God is calling me to do. And the first thing they say is, who do you think you are? you know, that's stupid. You don't have what it takes. Why are you trying to do this? And, and someone that you love shoots down your idea. What I hope you understand is this. Don't be surprised when you face opposition. Don't ever be surprised when you take a step of faith and you see your enemy push back because advancement invites opposition. What do we know about our enemy, the devil? He doesn't bother those who are not a threat. See, if you're walking his way, doing his will, he's going to leave you alone completely. But the moment you step out and try to honor God, flags go up all over hell and demons are released to go and stop you from doing what you know God put into your heart. Expect spiritual opposition when you do the will of God. Satan tries to oppose the work of God. If you don't want any opposition, if you want to have a really easy life, I'll tell you how to do it. Okay, here's what I recommend: as uh, you do, is you just coast along. Okay, you do your comfortable thing, live a, a comfy life, create the perfect little environment for your safe life, where you can make little perfect selfies. You know what I'm talking about? Hashtag blast, You know, and, and show everybody the the life you want them to see. Go to church if you want, but whatever you do, don't engage. Don't you dare pray don't serve, don't give, don't care about the things of God. You can do some spiritual things enough to make you feel good, but but not enough to make a real difference. Because the moment you step out of your comfort zone and you seek the God of heaven and try to represent his love and do something significant, when you step out, the devil tries to step in to stop you from doing the work of God. You don't have. You don't want. If you don't want opposition, any opposition, you just you just stay out of the game, live a self centered life, and you're probably going to be left out in the, left out of trouble. Here's what I hope you'll understand: God is calling you, calling some of you to step up, to serve, to tithe, to pray, to invite, to show love, not just in a church, but as the church in the world. And the moment you do, you will face opposition. You will have critics and haters, right? Critics and haters are all over. The loudest boos come from the cheapest seats. I I believe that sometimes, okay? Nehemiah steps up. He has Sanballat and and, and Tobiah come and, and try to tear him down. So how do you respond to those critics? How do you respond to haters, to naysayers, and to doubters? The answer is, most of the time, you don't. Okay, let me be very clear on that. Most of the time, you don't. Because notice what Nehemiah doesn't do. He doesn't respond, he doesn't answer, and he doesn't defend. In fact, what I hope you understand is your response isn't going to convert your critics. The only thing a response does is it validates the critics. When you acknowledge your critics, you actually give them power. Let me say that again. When you acknowledge your critics, you actually give them power. They're not really that important if you don't respond to them. You just ignore them, and you keep on doing the work of God. How do you respond? You don't. In fact, how many times have you ever heard uh, maybe a, a, the church you attend be criticized, or the pastor that you have uh, be criticized? You know, uh, we we might hear that all the time. And, and and unfortunately, if if you are raising your hand or you're saying nodding your head or saying yes to that, um, I hope you understand. It's it's kind of really discouraging, probably to your pastor and maybe to your church, because my goal at our church. is is not to change critics, okay? My goal is to do the will of God. See, we're gonna stay above what they say, who they are, okay? Well, who are they? Everybody who's everybody, just anybody you can think of. We're gonna stay above them and we're gonna do the will of God. And let me just say, it's not easy when you step out and people start criticizing you, okay? It's never easy to deal with haters, but it's even more difficult to deal with the doubt from the people that you love, from those who are closest to you, who sometimes don't believe in what you're called to do. And this is what will happen for some of you. You're going to feel called by God to do something, to take a step of faith, Right? And someone you love, someone that you trust, someone that loves you, right, is going to step in with strong words of discouragement. They're going to say, who do you think you are? You know, you're not prepared for that. Don't sell yourself short. You could be doing other things. You should be doing something different. Don't be stupid. Who do you think you are? It's even more difficult when the people closest to you don't believe in you doing what you're called to do. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to feel called to something. Maybe it's to foster. And someone's going to say, "You you you can barely handle the kids you already have." You know? "Who are who are you to do that?" You're going to start a life group maybe. "You don't even know where the book of Leviticus. How how could you run a life group? You can't do that." Whatever it is, maybe you're too old or you're too young or you're too uneducated. You're overeducated. You're too this or you're too that. Here's what I want to say to those that that are to to, to the, that do that. You're too negative. You don't know my God. See, when you step out, opposition steps in. Right. That's why this is this is really important of what we're going over in any form of leadership, in any form of influence, in any form of ministry. Okay. I always try to tell myself I'm not going to be moved by praise or criticism. I'm not going to let praise into my head, and I'm not going to let criticism into my heart. I'm not going to be moved by what people think. I'm trying to be moved by what God thinks. Here's what Nehemiah knows, okay? He knows that he doesn't answer to his critics. He understands that he answers to God. And so instead of engaging on a lower level, he turns to a higher power. And once again, we see Nehemiah pray. Here's what he prays, okay? Hear us, our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it had reached its half of its height, for the people worked with all their heart. What did Nehemiah do in the face of opposition? He prayed to God, and he got back to work. He sought the heart of God, and then he went back to work, and the wall continued to go up. Why? Because the people worked with all their heart. They worked with all their heart. There wasn't room for the critics to get up there in their heart because they were doing the work of God. They weren't lowering themselves down to fight those who are arguing about petty things because they had a higher calling to do the will of God. They went to God in prayer and then they got back to doing the work of God. What I love about Nehemiah is you see this over and over and over again. He was both spiritual and practical. He would pray as if everything depended on God, and then he would work as if everything depended on him. And I think there are some people who need to be a little less practical okay, and a little more spiritual, and some people who need to be a little less of one and a little more of the other, vice versa. okay? We are all spiritual and all practical. We, we all say we need you, God. You guide our steps, and we show up to work. We need your direction, and yet we roll up our sleeves. We need your power, yet we take out our shovels. We need your grace, and yet we're willing to do what you call us to do. We take a moment to pray, and then we what? Show back up to work. Let's jump to verse 10, okay? Verse 10 says, Meanwhile, the people in Judah said the strength of the laborers is giving out, and there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. See, last week we saw progress, this week we saw discouragement, and this is exactly what happens so often, right? When we step up into doing what we believe is the will of God, we see a little bit of progress and then we see a little bit of opposition, okay? Then verse 11, this is what scripture says, also our enemies said, before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and we'll kill them and put an end to the work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us 10 times over, whatever, wherever you turn, they will attack us. What do we see? We see Nehemiah's friends, his people, the people of Judah starting to doubt. They're not just doubting what others are going to do. They're actually doubting their own ability to get the job done. And I don't know about you, but at every type of opposition whether it's spiritual opposition external opposition from haters opposition from people that love me the one that's most difficult is eternal opposition it's when my own insecurities raise their ugly head and say who do you think you are you don't have what it takes and i don't know who this is speaking to right now but there's there's someone out there who is listening more to your inner insecurities than you are to the truth of who God says you are. If I can be gut-wrenching real with you right now, that—that that is the most difficult battle that I face, is the voice in my head that tells me again and again, you will never be enough. No matter how hard you try, you're always going to be inadequate. And the voice echoes, it haunts my soul, you can never get it done. You can never be good enough. You will never, ever measure up. Here's what I've learned. The external opposition will only be as loud as my internal insecurities allow them to be. Let me say that again. The external opposition will only uh, only be as loud as my internal insecurities allow them to be. That's why we rise above it. That's why we keep our eyes focused on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. That's why we don't look left or we we don't look right or listen to what the lower would say. We keep our hearts higher. And this is exactly what Nehemiah does. Watch in verse 14 as Nehemiah hears the people. They're discouraged. They're giving up. They're giving out. They don't think it can be done. Listen to what he says. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. Let's pause there. Okay, what does Nehemiah do? He takes the focus off himself and he puts it on God. He takes the focus off the naysayers and he puts the focus back on God. And he's saying, this isn't our battle. This battle belongs to the Lord. Our God is with us. Our God is for us. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. We believe that all things are possible with our God. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. We know that when we walk in the power of our God, he walks in with us. My focus is not on what they say. I remember the hand of my God. I remember when I prayed for months and months and months and God granted me the king's favor and turned his heart and let me go. I remember when the king provided protection and provision. I remember when he blessed me to go out. I remember when God gave me favor with the people. I remember when there was nothing and the wall started going up. I remember that God provided it all. God made it all possible. He said, remember the Lord your God. Can you imagine him standing up before the nobles and preaching some version of a sermon? Remember the goodness of our God. Remember when our ancestors were in Egyptian bondage and our God split the Red Sea and the the people walked down dry land and when the enemies pursued, God closed up the sea and washed the enemies away. Do you remember when, when God led our people with fire by night and fed us with manna from heaven? Do you remember the goodness, the faithfulness of our God? What I'll do in my own life, when the voice says you're not good enough, when I'm about to preach and and my faith is not very high, I'll remember who I was before trust. I'll remember the brokenness, the guilt, the shame, the sin. Remember the Lord our God. Because when it gets tough, and I promise you it will, you're going to need to think about something. And I know our God would rather you think about his power than those who hate his will. Remember the Lord our God. The greater the opposition, the greater the opportunity for our God to fight for you. See, maybe you got a bad report right now, and you don't think there's any way that God can help. The greater the opposition, the greater the opportunity for a God to fight for you. The worse the report, the better the testimony. And God shows up and shows off. Remember the Lord our God. Nehemiah says this in verse 14, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And then he goes on to say, and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. I believe somebody that's listening needs to hear this. Remember the Lord, your God, and continue to fight for healing. Remember the Lord, your God, and continue to believe that he can get you out of debt. Remember the Lord, your God, and and still fight for your marriage. Remember the Lord your God and fight for your children to find freedom in Christ. Keep on fighting for that one child that needs a family. Keep on fighting for the unborn that can't fight for themselves. Keep on fighting for the victims that need healing, grace, and hope. And treat them with dignity, honor, and respect in a way that they've never had before. Keep fighting for the lost who need to find hope in Christ. Whenever you do something that matters, there will be a battle. You will always face opposition. I tell myself all the time, if I'm not ready to face opposition for my obedience to God, then I'm not ready to be used by God. God, make me ready. God, help me know your calling. God, help me do what you called me to do. And I don't have to be chosen by people when I'm called by God. I step into his will. Remember the Lord and fight. What do you do when there's something in the world that doesn't sit right with you on behalf of a God? You sit down to cry, you kneel down to pray, and you stand up to act. And then with God directing your steps, what do you do? You seek God faithfully. You define the vision clearly. You make plans carefully, and you inspire people passionately. And when your enemy shows up to try to slow you down, you remember the Lord your God, and you fight for what God called you to fight for. You don't give up. You don't grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time you will reap a harvest. If you do not give up, keep on building one stone at a time, one brick at a time, one moment of faithfulness after another, day after day, week after week by the power of God and to the grace of his people, you can rebuild that wall. You can be used by God and you won't let the voice or the power of any opposition stop you, slow you, detour you, or distract you because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Step into it because you have the power of Christ. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for another Venture Podcast. Uh, Again, I hope you'll come back next week as we continue this series. We're going to wrap it up uh, in week number four of The Good Work. I'm looking forward to sharing with you. Talk to you soon. If you'd like to know more about Venture Podcast or Chandler Acres Church, or if you'd like to support this ministry, please visit us at chandleracreschurch.com.